Welcome to this Crestfest world. My name is Neil Adam. Crestfest is an annual music festival which takes place in Creswick near Ballarat in country Victoria. The podcast features interviews with some of the intriguing people who are involved in the festival. This podcast, number six, is the third and last in a short series which focus on the storms and floods which hit Creswick in 2022. Today, we're going to hear about the ideas behind a short opera based on the experiences of some Creswick people during the floods, written and performed by students in the Masters of Opera Performance course at Melbourne University. We start off hearing from Professor Jane Davidson, Professor of Opera Studies, and you'll then hear from Mark, one of the Creswick participants, and from Lisette, one of the opera students. I made these three podcasts because I was present in Clunes Town Hall when the opera was first performed, and it was one of the most moving musical events that I've ever attended. It seemed a shame that so much thought, talent, and sensitivity should go into something and then be forgotten. As it turns out, the opera will be performed again at Crow's Fest in 2024, so there's yet another reason, if you needed one, to get your tickets now. First of all, let's start off with a quick excerpt from the start of the opera to get you in the mood. Let's hear first of all from Jane Davidson about the background to the whole thing and where the idea came from. And in 2016, I was asked to revamp, recreate, reimagine, create a Masters in Opera, which I did building on some of the old stuff and creating some new things. And um, we launched the course in 2019 and we've had some very successful students come through who've gone on to other greater and more glorious things. Many of them are now uh, either young artists or working uh, in a more ongoing way with Victorian operas. Some of them have gone overseas. Uh, many of them have been placed or won the Herald Sun Aria competition. They've done really well for themselves. And um, what I felt was lacking a little bit especially in this time when we're reflecting on what is an artwork, what is culture, uh, what role do we have in society, what about equity and diversity, all these things that are challenges for opera, to be honest, because of yeah. its history, it's very, it, it, by its very nature, it's Eurocentric, it's got a white tradition behind it, and so on and so forth. Um, I was brought to reflect on my own experiences across my career and um, <clears throat> amongst the most satisfying things I've done 
have been I've been directing operas a long time um, and I got into that really as a schoolgirl, to be honest, you know, managing and then producing and directing shows. And whilst I trained and sang as an opera singer, the things I enjoyed most as an opera singer was when I was having a really creative role in the development of a character or indeed the material. And uh, for a number of years, I'm obviously from the UK, and for a number of years, I ran a small company myself called Sound Bodies, where we developed and devised works. And some of those projects um, were not really about social uh, social justice issues, but were about big things, you know, like the impact of the First World War on people's mental health that wasn't really talked about at the time and projects like that. And so um, around many years ago, around 25 years ago, I did devise a, an opera with a group of students in the UK when I was really developing my, uh, my skills in directing myself. And so I just thought, oh gosh, this course is an opportunity to do that. And of course, something that is hitting us right between the eyes at the moment is amongst other terrible things going on in the world at the moment um, but a huge pressing agenda that none of us can escape from we can bury our head in the sand and not look at um, geopolitics and stuff because it doesn't affect our immediate little local environment but whoever we are wherever we are um, the climate emergency is affecting us every day and um that was such a big topic and I decided that I should get the students to look at that and we had been very fortunate through some uh, excellent conversations I'd had with Judy Turner um, and that was to bring my students to Crestfest in 2023 and again tap into things that I'd done historically so we did a flash mob in the IGA uh, we went and did a, a more community-focused opera scenes performance in the Woolen Mills in Creswick. And I, when I was thinking about what is it we could do creatively with the students, of course, I thought to the Creswick flooding. And so I had some conversations with Judy again, and um, we decided that we were going to give it a go. I think initially the students were a little bit shell-shocked by the idea of actually creating from scratch the music as well, because many of them had come through school, uh, perhaps a choral tradition, um, where they had trained as singers, most of them from being quite young, uh, uh, singing in choirs and so on, and then gradually transitioning into um, singing on an undergraduate course, some of them from West Australian Academy of Performing Arts, some from University of Melbourne, some from other universities elsewhere, University of Queensland or whatever. I'm not, and so, I'm not surprised, sorry, I'm, I'm not surprised that some of the students found it a, a confronting thing because um, on, honestly, um, the two concepts, opera singing and floods, uh, would not often have appeared together in the same sentence, I don't think. So, um, you know, the, the, the kind of thinking that says uh, an important feature of operatic training would be to involve yourself with local communities and talk about uh, worldwide important issues. Um, that's really interesting thinking, I think. Well, thanks. I mean, it's something I've always been deeply committed to, I have to say, and across my 
own more creative side of my career I've always tried to be very inclusive and I've done a lot of work with older people in communities and um, I have a colleague who you probably know Jeannie Marsh uh, did a wonderful project a few years ago called Serenading Adela uh, at Pentridge Prison and she really generated a lot of support from a whole mass of different people, some community choirs, some people who uh, learned about the project just through advertising and actually that connects a little bit more back to the, the opera I did many years ago um, that, that I devised and uh, that was about uh, Adela Pankhurst and how she led the resistance against uh, anti-conscription. I, I mean, she was for anti-conscription yeah. and how she ended up being arrested and put in Pentridge jail. And so that was a community-based street opera that Jeannie was, you know, the linchpin in organising with many other historical groups, choirs and so on. And I did a little bit of research about that. And so really, in a way, Jeannie refreshed my um, interest uh, in in a way, I mean, I've always had it, but that was the spark that made me think we can be doing issues that are really real, uh, affecting people's everyday lives, be it historically or current. And so um, that was the motivation. Of course, opera is this incredible form where you've got text, action, music, and often speaking as well, all triangulating to tell us or heighten the same story. And um, for me, it can be telling you multiple things at the same time. And of course, Mozart does that incredibly brilliantly. I'm doing magic flute at the moment with the students. It's amazing. Um, but on the other hand, um, things that people can't say, they can feel with the music. Now let's hear a little from Mark, one of the people who lived through the storm with his wife, Catherine, and who you heard from in the last episode. Uh, yes, getting together um, um, at the Neighbourhood Centre was fantastic. Uh, what they presented to us was, was frightening for some and, and brought back all of those memories. And being considerate, as most are these days, they were, well, well, you know, do you want us to continue with this or is it too, too much to... And, and most of us said, and I said, well... Well, no, you know, you, you can't tell a half a story. Um, what's happened and what's happening for people um, and how it's affected them is, is super important. So you got the idea from them that they really had, they understood a little about what it had been like because Catherine before was talking about the confusion of what they yes. and, and how Yes, it was, it was just... She, she thought that the the roof was going to collapse. Yes. She thought she was going to die. Dylan thought he was going to die. Mm. Or that, and but more particularly, that Catherine was already dead because she wasn't in the house. There's still some people that aren't in um, their accommodation yet. Yes. Uh, there's a few gone in the last week. Yeah. Uh, but 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 yeah, there's yeah, it's and there's so many that we don't really know about either that have just you know plodded along and done their thing and tried to work it out themselves. And 
one chap he was talking about the, the fireball that came and you know he was lug, lugging his 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 um, about to lug the, the the shopping in 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 into the house. His wife was already in the house, and it was like a. a a, a lull in what had been sort of quite wet on the on the way in, but wasn't at that, that particular time. And then as he's about to, to head in, the sort of the, the skies opened up again, and there was a fireball like landed between him and and the entrance to his house. It just shocked them, shocked him no end. Funnily enough, there was a few things that, that I, I happened to say um, on the day in, in, in um, the neighbourhood house that they'd pick, picked up on. And it was, um, yeah, it was really poignant about how they um, were able to put um, uh, music and sound uh, and, 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 and capture the, the, the gravity of, of what would have been going on. You listened to the, to the young singers giving their performance and, and I was in the room there as well. Probably 150 people were present that day in Clunes Hall. It's a beautiful old gold era Victorian uh, country town hall. I uh, can remember uh, the effect on the room of the singers coming down off the stage mm. and standing around the crowd and singing to people. Yes, yeah, no, absolutely wonderful. T tugging on the heartstrings. Um, um, uh, there was a there was a time there that that, that I needed to comment later on. I needed to comment on something, and I I struggled to find my words. It, it just uh, emotion had overcome me, uh, and, and it hadn't prior to that. Their singing around was just fantastic, and the percussion and, and, the, and the sounds that, that were, were created uh, really, again, struck something for me. Now let's hear from Lisette, one of the lead singers in the opera. We went to Creswick and we met these amazing people and heard their stories and they were so generous and vulnerable and it was a really beautiful thing. But I think for those first six weeks, we were unsure of what it meant, of, of just the impact that it would have. We, um, we weren't really and yeah, we were just kind of like having fun making music and then um, meeting these people and hearing their stories and that feeling so humbled and honored that they would trust us to tell those stories and to, um, to speak to those stories. And then we were all suddenly so anxious and um, that we really wanted to. So from then on, it became more of a Yes, yeah, so I'd say that's, I guess, the first kind of six weeks we were just, um, it was just like a really exciting project of making music together and then it became, yeah, the after the interviews, the initial interviews, hearing their stories, it really became something so much more special, like in a way that I didn't, I didn't expect, didn't realise would happen. 
I quoted a piece of Mark and um, I wrote some poetry and I quoted Mark because um, Mark was, had, was so um, beautiful with the way that he spoke about it. It was obviously, obviously just, just he, had, he was so expressive, like it was, yeah. he was wonderful. I really liked Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember in that first six weeks, because we didn't have a lot to, we didn't have a lot to work with because we hadn't spoken to them yet. But some of the material we were using, we would use um, excerpts from newspaper articles about the event and we kind of uh, took, there was a very fun exercise where we kind of took a newspaper, tore it into pieces and then we each picked up a piece and had to make kind of a lyric or like a, a melodic kind of idea out of the text that was on that piece of paper and then we combined all of our different and we built a whole uh, about five minute piece just kind of out of that and um, that was the first kind of part of the opera that we made together and then and we performed that for them when the when we went to um, hear their stories and, for, and meet them but um, we were in this hall and um, they were sitting in a circle and we were circled around them singing to them and uh, by the end of it we all I think all of us were crying <laughs> like it was because it was you could see how it moved them and because um, yeah we we had no idea the impact until obviously we were we were with them and that was that was a very very special moment was sharing that initial piece with them for the first time it was very very moving there's something um very different isn't there about experience of experiencing other people's um trauma um, at, at first hand, rather than, you know, you can see pictures of the storms in Creswick um, on, on, on the evening news, and you can see somebody being interviewed saying, yeah, the water came through my house. And then 24 hours later, the news cycle has moved on to the next big thing, and people are left with their lives sort of in pieces. And um, most of us are, are, don't carry that stuff with us um, forever. Some of their stories were quoted verbatim in the work itself. Yeah. Um, which we also we wanted to make sure that every story was represented in some way, um, whether that was like through like a direct quote or um, there was an incredible story of like a lightning hitting the ground as like the uh, he was getting out of his car and it was almost struck by lightning yeah um there was a story of um you know a mother with five children on the table um just yeah and we wanted to make sure that every because they were so vulnerable we really wanted to make sure that all of those stories were represented in some way and in a way that was very respectful there hasn't been a single negative response to it all. There's only been a beautiful local response and, and uh, gratitude to you all for taking this local disaster so seriously. Yeah, we were very... It was a great opportunity for us. It was it was very meaningful for us. <laughs> oh.
for a final word, let's go back to Professor Jane Davidson to hear what she thought about the end result. The atmosphere kind of changed, I have to say. I felt that people, uh, there was a kind of stilled or even stunned um, attentiveness. You know, there was a, a really deep level of attentiveness. And of course, part of what we'd done was got the students to leave the stage and come and surround the audience in the hall and um, sing. And of course, if you haven't been in the middle of a lot of classical singers singing together, you can't imagine A, how loud it is, but B, also how, um, you know, visceral it is. It really affects your heart rate. It affects how you feel. And so for them to sing these shifting harmonies and sometimes make sounds that were um, improvisatory and a little bit more cry-like or whatever, different kinds of sound effects. I think people were very uh, struck by that. And then at the end, the sort of piece resolves by them all going back on stage and talking about the aftermath of the storm and, and noticing this incredible, beautiful smell of the eucalyptus and seeing it, the whole area looking like a carpet because all the leaves have been stripped off the trees. And so suddenly out of this horror is this incredible beauty, you know. So um, we kind of left the piece holding that image. And I, I suppose the students would have been a little bit taken aback, but the audience loved it. So there was this huge standing ovation. Um, you know, so I think for them, they don't get that that often. They get people appreciate their singing and they'll go bravo or whatever, but they don't get everybody standing up shouting, wow, you know. I want to thank Professor Jane Davidson and Crisfest Director Judy Turner for hatching the plans that brought about such a beautiful end result. And I want to thank Mark and Lizette for talking so openly about the effect the project had on them. We'd also like to thank two other staff members from Melbourne Uni, Dr Gillian Howell, Community Music Specialist, and Dr Sarah Woodland, Applied Theatre Specialist, who worked with and inspired aspects of the project. This has been the third of three Creswick Flood podcasts. Thanks for listening to this Cresfest World. Next in this podcast series, we have some interviews coming up with artists who will be performing at Cresfest 24. So stand by for interviews with Melisand from Montreal in Canada, T-Bone from Wellington in New Zealand, and Owen from Guanaco, an Argentinian band. I'm Neil Adam. I just want to thank you for listening to this Cresfest World and look forward to seeing you the next time. Bye-bye. We'll leave you with a last extract from this marvellous flood opera. See you. <laughs>